Welcome back to the Keys of the Castle podcast. My name is Andrew Sangler. This is Adam Fife, And on this podcast, we talk about whatever interests us this week in the world of real estate. This week, Adam, what are we talking about? This week's conversation is going to build off of last week's conversation. Last week, I, I feel like we had one of the best conversations that we've had where we talked about buyer's commission, the lawsuit currently going on with the Canadian Real Estate Association. So this week, I thought we could talk about the services of a realtor what they charge, why they charge, and then start talking about just a small conversation about like discount brokerages and some of the options that the general public have. I don't know. See where it goes. Yeah. So what what are the the responsibilities, I suppose, of a realtor? Oh, man. Someone's going to call me out of this. So the responsibilities of a realtor is basically to protect the client's interests. So someone would come to a real estate agent. They're looking to either buy or sell the property and they need help to process the transaction. So the realtor is now going to put themselves on the line or not maybe not put themselves on the line, but kind of put themselves at the forefront of negotiations and advice when people actually are going to buy or sell. So we don't make decisions, but we advise on decisions. So we can advise on different terms in the contract. We can advise on how much the home should be sold for, how much commission should be offered, and then just basically holding their hand throughout the entire process. Yeah. And within that, I mean, it sounds like a pretty easy system. And I, I made this joke even this week that uh, when, when I first started out in real estate, you know, you, you find a process in most seamless transactions. They feel so easy um, after you've done them a number of times that you're like, why, why, why is our job even necessary? Um, and then it's always the following deal that absolutely blows up and it becomes apparent why, why it's, uh, it's nice to have someone on your side. Uh, that isn't just a lawyer. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I've definitely, I think we've both in the been in the industry long enough that we've seen an array of various transactions. I mean, even just dealing with the different personality types, right? Like the risk takers, the risk adverse, you know, making that big first step of placing an offer, getting a lot of offers, getting overwhelmed. Like it's it's very unique in, uh, in the approach. Like every single transaction, in my opinion, is quite vastly different. Depending on the personality type, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the ultimate goal is for the transaction to be uh, st st streamless, um, depending <laughs> on what what you're buying or selling. Mm -hmm. But also, if, if you are more risk adverse, mm -hmm. that's really nice. If you're mm -hmm. looking for something on the riskier side, um, obviously, it might be a little bit bumpier of a, a journey. Mm -hmm. So I guess you, you take that and you gauge how bumpy it's going to be, depending on who you are, who you're dealing with, and what you're purchasing um, and then make those expectations from there. Really, expectation creation mm. is a huge part of this role. Because we've done most of these transactions n n quite a number of times, we, we know what to expect. At this point, depending on the personality type, the temperament on the other side of the table, it really takes the emotion out of the transaction. Absolutely. And keeps it on both sides of the table. And usually that's where things fall apart. I mean, one of my favorite sayings about contracts and looking at various contracts is that a contract is just an agreement between two people and the contract really is only as strong as the agreement between those two people and that's you know using that as your bench line you can start venturing off the standard uh, Korea kind of template purchase contracts that you find start creating your own if you're a real estate agent I wouldn't necessarily advise for you to start your own unless it's an occasion in which your own is necessary to make um, but uh, it's a good starting point. Mm -hmm. I really like what you said about expectation creation because I think that's actually where a lot of realtors drop the ball. 
uh, you know, even at the beginning of my career, someone calls and they're like, I want to see this property. And you're like running out the door. You're like, yeah, let's go. Like, let's place an offer. Like, yeah, run. And then at the end of the day, you find out maybe they're not fully qualified or they said they had a pre-approval and it was more of a pre-qualification. And you didn't really set that expectation to find success, especially in this hot market that we're currently dealing with. Setting the expectation, I feel like, is something that I've done very well at, where I can now sit down with people. I My Zoom calls are all relatively structured the same way. Usually they go over an hour. I go over the market, very data-driven, kind of just showing people the numbers, right? And then explain to them, okay, this is what the offer situation looks like. This is what the deposit is versus your down payment. All of this other stuff, which creates comfort up front. And that's what I feel, at least. And hopefully my clients would agree with me that that's why I get hired more than some others. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it takes a lot of stress out of the transaction as well when you're venturing in. Let's say we've been through something before, mm. but, you know, a client hasn't. Um, example, I think we've talked about it in the past, but we had a condo with a three-month closing. It ended up uh, flooding. There was a piece of the AC unit blew up, flooded the whole apartment prior to closing, maybe three weeks prior to closing. If we hadn't been in that position before and had people around us with advice on how to navigate it, um, that would be a very, very stressful situation. If, if you were a purchaser working in your own right against a, a seller, and in this case, it very much was against a seller trying to bring it up to the standard uh, to meet the contract itself, you know, how, how would you expect to react to that information, mm-hmm. assuming that you've never had a condo flood three weeks before you're supposed to purchase it? Absolutely. The expectation to purchase, right? Um, but it's it's something early on in this industry that I'm really, really happy that I did. And I find it crazy that not more um, in new individuals that are looking to join this industry do uh, is, is I called everyone. You know, it's it's pretty scary really? to start out. It's an eat what you kill. Yeah. Oh, you know, eat what you kill industry. Um, and so it, without that, that past experience, mm-hmm. you have everyone at your fingertips. And realtors love to talk about their own experiences and, and also themselves. Um, and so picking up the phone and, and dialing up people that you knew were in the industry or have been in the industry for a long, long time, not just within your brokerage. Um, you know, that piece of information around mm-hmm. um, expectation creation. I got that from, uh, I think it was Richard Fleming, mm-hmm. uh, who's either an assistant broker or broker at Mountain View Remax. Mm-hmm. And it was from an entirely different conversation where I was getting um, a little bit of information from him on how to approach multifamily purchasing. Um, so you never know what you're going to pick up. But right. I just, I find very few phone calls as well as we have the program at EXP. Uh, where when you reach your icon status, icon status is you've just sold enough houses, you reach this you know uh, perceived quota, and they send you like this little glass trophy or whatever, uh, and then you get stock benefits after it uh, from teaching other uh, individuals that are just joining the brokerage. And what I find so frustrating is, with this program is two things. First, you schedule a time. Your time is important, and you, they never show up on time. You know, I got a forty-five minute window for them. It's a weekday on a Wednesday. You know what I mean? Mm. They call me like 30 minutes later. It's like, no, we've, we've already moved on. Schedule another window. Go into Calendly, schedule another window. Mm-hmm. Frustrating on their side because what? I'm supposed to be facilitating whatever's going on in their life. Mm-hmm. No one cares that you're busy in this industry. Everybody's busy. And then the second thing is that there's there's no, I almost feel like a high school teacher. Like there's no retention of information. Mm-hmm. This was given, not earned. And they don't pick up the phone and then they don't ask. And then six months later, you see that they left. Um, Tell me how you really feel, man. Yeah. It's (laughs) 
possibly a flawed program. And I'm sure there's some people that have really exceeded in it. Yeah, it's only really set sure. up for those that mm -hmm. are willing to do the work. I mean, I do feel for a lot of new realtors in today's day and age because there is a flood of information. I mean, I'm, I've now found some... I'm still stressed at times in my career dealing with lots of various conversations, but there is a flood of information in any industry. But real, real estate in particular, because of there's so many different dynamics to running a successful business. Like you got to know your numbers. You got to be time management. You got to understand personalities. You got to know how to handle stressful situations. You got to understand like just all of these various things to find success in the business. Um, a lot of our transactions for the most part are fairly smooth a lot of cookie cutter deals you know they're willing to pay x they're willing to sell x you know these are the some of the terms and conditions not a big deal but there are a, a, a really good amount of complex deals like i'm dealing with one it's not complex in a way but we're assuming the tenant and the client wants to very much make sure that he's protected he's from ontario the laws are very different in ontario a little bit beaten up there right so mm. Going through all of these additional steps with the lawyer, making sure that the contracts are signed, and then giving it off to the listing agent. Listen, this is like, why are we doing this, right? Like, you don't, you don't need to do this. It's in the contract. Well, the client wants to, so we're going through all these extra steps. My question, and this is an interesting one, and I'm, I'm excited to hear your take on this and take your time. For all of the very complex deals and the many more average deals that aren't that complex, do you believe that the average realtor gets paid too much? who maybe doesn't do all of the extra things that some of the top dogs do. See, it's a tricky, it's a tricky road to walk mm. because you charge your fee upfront mm -hmm. and you don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, I would say yes, because you just based on that, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I've had deals where um, the purchase price is very low and the commission is very low mm -hmm. and it starts consuming hours and hours and hours and hours of my time mm -hmm. over the course of sometimes three months in which case the dollar the hourly that you're essentially earning from this transaction you know could be like five bucks right. by the time you get to the very end of it so you're actually saying no because that question was do they get paid too much the average person oh sorry yes yeah. so yeah. my, my answer Just to clarify my answer would be no because you don't know what's coming down look the the goal is to be smooth so if cool. your if your transaction flew through without a hitch, mm -hmm. amazing experience, and at the end of it you're like, wow, I sold my house over asking. Everything was really smooth. It mm -hmm. closed on the day. Everyone got their keys. The seller, the buyer was really really happy. And then in the back of your mind is like, ah, oh, I should have charged that extra ten grand, or let me go back to my agent and get a little bit. The goal is to be smooth. Mm -hmm. Just because it wasn't a huge fight and this huge dramatic event mm -hmm. does not mean that it's not worth the money. It's actually the opposite. It's the experience and the systems to bring it to that particular place that it's just seamless yeah. all the way through. It's crazy because I, I would say that on average, I would argue that I get frustrated with realtors the most in my business like there and we've actually talked about this before where you know if you're a listing agent or even a buyer's agent and you realize that the other person on the end there and is fairly new or they're just dumb and then you end up taking a lot of the load on which is fine because you want to get the transaction closed but you're like oh my goodness like i'm doing all of this extra work now where you should be more or less taking on the burden as well and mm. i find that a lot of realtors and maybe it's just me Maybe it's just who I deal with. Maybe it's the price points that I'm in. I don't know. But there's a lot of realtors out there that just frustrate me. Lack of communication, 
not really good at like explaining themselves, um, more or less just not getting back to me in a timely manner. We're all busy. I get it. But when, when we're down to like the, the, the timeline here, like mm-hmm. I am expecting you to like pick up your phone yeah. like, instantly. I do. I get that mostly in entry level product. It's actually why I don't really do entry level. <laughs> Adam's laughing. Yeah, it's I, I made a. I made a commitment that unless uh, it's mostly on the buyer's side, mm-hmm. representing the buyer, that I get frustrated. But entry level condos and townhouses, I um, I've strayed away from mm. facilitating those transactions, and it's it's very much. I mean, when we start getting into the luxury product, where five thousand dollars here or whatever in order to facilitate and keep the transaction moving is mm-hmm. doable, then the drama is a lot lower. I agree. Advice I would give to realtors on both sides, because I've, I've certainly been in those shoes as well, is um, there, there's quite a number of agents that don't have the ability to take their ego and their emotion mm. out of the transaction. I mean, your purpose in this whole thing is is to facilitate information. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's to set up the connections for the deal for it to run smoothly. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's not about you winning. It's not about you looking like a hero and strapping on your cape. And some people haven't been able to move away from that. And that's usually where points of conflict come from. Um, unless it was, it, you know, it's, it's something tangible in the house or financial issues or something else that run, right. runs that. But those problems actually arise far less than it's really just an ego or an mm-hmm. emotional thing. On the other side, working with an agent, you don't know how busy they are, mm-hmm. right? So they could just be really bad at their job, but you're in it now, right? They somehow had found them, you know, found a way to represent someone and, you know, got an offer, accepted the offer, and now you're there, right? So this point of conflict, bumping heads, I, I feel like 95% of it is just, it's ego and emotions mm-hmm. and that should be taken out because really it's, it's not about you. You're not moving in. Mm-hmm. You don't have to look like a hero on each one. Mm-hmm. The goal is for it to be smooth. It's not for you to look like a you know yeah, a rock guy star guy. I saved you tw- ten grand on this transaction, it, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Big, big pat on the yeah. back type of thing. So let's. I, I like where you're going with that. Now, I've never actually really had this conversation before of like what is a realtor. Like, I've obviously I know in my head, but I've never like really conversated about that. So. What is your thoughts on like the, what would you call them? Like the discount brokerages or some of the um, reduced commission brokerages. My opinion on them is it's a volume play. Mm -hmm. So they get a lot of that type of clientele, but they have mass amounts of them. So they basically try to get as many transactions through as possible to get a bigger dollar value where a full service brokerage is what we are we actually do a lot more of the heavy lifting. We'll do the drafting of the documents and the explanation of the documents and then trying to negotiate where I, at least my personal view of some of the discount brokerages is they will basically send you the documents. They'll draft them up for you, but they probably will give you an explanation, but I don't really feel like they're fully going to bat for yourself or going above and beyond for the client. But that's the whole point of paying the discounted price. Yeah, I've never been a part of a discounted brokerage, so I can't speak too deeply as to how their their roles vary it than uh, to what what ours are. Mm-hmm. If their contracts are different or anything like that, so possibly if there's someone watching this that has been or is a part of those brokerages, that'd be interesting to share. Yeah, that's fair. But based on personal experience working on the other side mm-hmm. of those deals, often it's yeah, it's it's back to exactly what you said. Like it's a volume play, mm-hmm. so 
poor communication, usually not a deep understanding of what we're what we're doing contractually or otherwise, mm-hmm. and just super busy. So trying to get anything accomplished that's not immediately convenient, very difficult. And then when they reach that point uh, that they're so busy where it's difficult for their client or ourselves or anyone in the transaction to get a hold of them or, or facilitate what, whatever connection we might need to be making, um, it's I would make the assumption because I've never seen a budget realtor with an assistant that I can mm-hmm. contact or someone else underneath them, mm-hmm. which is fairly common in our industry when you get to a certain point where you start dropping the ball, it's time to take on someone else who may or may not be licensed, but at least can do uh, a lot of the um, monotonous mm-hmm. phone calling, filing, all of these things to open up your schedule a little little bit more, which is usually a personal assistant of mm-hmm. some, some type. I don't know if you can support that because based on that volume play, you'd have to be doing you know immense amounts of volume to try to hire someone for 60 or 70,000 whatever uh, personal yeah. assistance going for these days hmm. my my thought processes for discount brokerages for realtors at discount brokerages is the same process that i believe with property managers i personally think that someone who gets into the industry they you know get convinced to go and join this discount brokerage or this property manager they start to see what the systems are like and how it's done. And then they all of a sudden realize, oh, if I just go on my own as a realtor, I could make three times as much. Mm -hmm. So all the people that are good at the discount brokerage are good at property management for the most part. And I could be totally wrong, but for the most part, I would imagine they end up becoming a realtor, like a full service realtor. That's interesting. I've never, I've never looked at it that sense. Really? So they had, they, you're saying that a lot of the budget, brokerages that you've worked with a lot of them have a past history in property management i wouldn't say a lot of them but i would say i've heard of stories even in the city of people that start off there just because like that was what was recommended to them and then they grow right and especially property managers like uh, you know we all need property managers i'm very grateful for property managers but someone who understands the business would more or less instead of playing that volume play do less transactions, but make more money. So they end up going to the real estate business over the property management business. And my thought process is the same with the discount brokerages. So even if you find someone who's good at their job, they'll probably become a a full service at some point or another. It's just a thought. It's a, it's a get what you pay for industry sometimes. Um, You know, I, I've, I've worked with full service realtors that are, you know, far more incompetent than, than a budget bro <laughs> budget it's just we're, we're using averages and the law of mm-hmm. averages here says that when you walk into a deal with a budget mm-hmm. um brokerage on the other side it's gonna be tough mm-hmm. um shouldn't really be the major deterrent of mm-hmm. your transaction but it's just another thing to make your um your clients conscious of when you're when you're getting into the deal mm-hmm. right they're going for a more aggressive price because they're charging less in fees or whatever they're looking to do so it's going to be a bit of a fight and then the fight's going to continue all the way through the process um i unfortunately have never had a good experience with the budget brokerage really? and there's been quite a number of deals um, but like I said, that's just my, my yeah. experience with it. That's true. And it, I, we kind of talked about this last week too. Like I feel, I almost feel bad putting my own personal interest because a lot of these budget brokerages will offer 1% commission. So 1% commission is quite low compared to the other commissions kind of floating out there. Mm-hmm. So when I have experienced, um, other, like when I'm kind of behind the scenes talking to other realtors, it's almost like we avoid 
mm-hmm. looking at those like discount brokerages listings. Obviously, if the client likes it and they want to proceed with it, I'm going to always do that. But at the same time, I will also try and put into the contract somewhere that I will get a little bit more commission to make it worth my time. And that's awkward because at the same time, I still want to get paid for my services. I've spent multiple hours with this client in the car driving around on the buyer side of things. And um, it's just kind of frustrating. And I try not to put my own personal gain or loss into the transaction, but at the same time, I still do try. And my clients are usually receptive of that. Hey, you know, this is, they're offering this commission here. You know, it's, it's okay if they don't accept the offering that I'm going to present on the contract. I'm not gonna let that deter the deal, but I'm still gonna go ahead and ask. And quite a bit of the time, actually, the discount brokerages will offer full commission. But there's some out there that just say, no, nah, this is it. Take it or leave it. And fair play. I mean, that's, it is what it is. I'd find that incredibly frustrating. Like in one, one of the, and I think just on a personal note, like I, I enjoy the fact that with our brokerage, there's no oversight as far as a, there is a minimum that you can charge. Yes. And usually we're over that, over that line. And it, it allows me to make the decision on what I charge for, mm-hmm. depending on the job that I'm doing. And because we're bouncing from builder referrals to new home contracts to bare land sales to uh, you know apartment buildings to residential sales and whatever not all of these are built the same so i'm so i mean it's it's somewhat interesting to me that uh, there's a lot of realtors out there that won't vary their price depending on the job i mean i think we're the only industry in the world that they can do that right like you're a contractor you're going to build a deck you're not going to give three thousand for all decks I want 3,000, no matter if it's a four foot by four foot or a 12 foot by 12 foot, it's yeah. up on sales. 3,000, right? <laughs> you know, it, it makes no sense, right, to me. But also to not have that ability to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be somewhat interesting, you know, something like 2% Realty. Well, last last um, podcast, we talked about this, this standardization mm-hmm. of Realty rates, right? And they went after the big brokerages. I don't think EXP was in there, but there was Century 21 that had gotten out of the way. Remax is tied into there, and what two percent realty wasn't mm. like we're talking about maintaining a standard. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's not negotiable, it's literally in their name that they charge two percent. Mm-hmm. They don't vary; it's consistent. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not a point of, and so these other in all these other brokerages, I'd make the assumption that at least at some point has been negotiated, mm-hmm. and and it's up to you. Like you're you're a business owner, and it's you it's your choice on what you're going to charge and you can say yes or no depending on whatever the the conversation is right right but you decide how much to charge at the end versus these ones it it, um it greatly takes that ability out of your hands Mm -hmm. it's crazy too because i don't know what the stat is but i want to say like 80 percent of people work with the first realtor that they chat with Mm -hmm. right so the first real because they don't have any insight into what other services are offered people can just charge the average and just do bare minimum and they're like oh yeah the realtor was all right and then they go like 10 years later they work with another realtor they're like holy shit like that was crazy like, yeah. they did everything yeah right like there's even a point in my career where i'll even pay for depending on the situation like i'll go ahead and pay for the disclosure statement or the rpr or something like that to help my clients out if i'm paying if i'm getting paid a regular commission i have no problem giving back in those areas where some people just won't right they're like oh no we'll pay you the regular commission it's all on you you do everything you pay for the photos you do all the marketing blah 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 blah. i'm like yeah okay well that's interesting business right so um it is very fascinating to see the very like the vast amount of services charged or services offered for 
the same rate. So my whole goal here is to really convince you to talk to other people, <laughs> like <laughs> go and interview. Cause like at the end of the day, like there's a lot of different things that I do, especially with assignment sales. Like I, I've, I've tried not to really take them on too much, but they are fascinating because, you know, I'll charge like two grand up front. I'll pay for the photos. It'll be a retainer fee. I'll put a Google link up on, or sorry, I'll put a Google drive folder. I'll put it up on Facebook. I'll start to obtain leads. And then basically as soon as I get any sort of qualified lead, I just give it to the builder, right? So I paid a retainer fee or you paid me a retainer fee. I did the marketing. I got the photos. I put it up on Facebook. I used my network and then I'll find the lead and get to the builder. And then at that point we talk about a success fee. Mm. But the success, the success fee is a little different because you actually have to pay the brokerage and not me personally. Right. So the, the contracts are a lot different and not a lot of people understand that about Simon Sales. But that's a service that I could offer. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know where I was going with that. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> I think circling back in, though, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting idea. And I know that the conversation generally is that... Uh, People in our industry get paid too, too much, mm. and so I, I'm I'm sure in some cases that's probably that's probably true. Mm. Um, but I think some things to take into account. I think circling back on the initial conversations here is that that brokerage fee is negotiated up front and it is unchanged almost always mm -hmm. to the very end, regardless yeah, if it's a it's an absolute gunfight or it goes smooth. The goal is smooth. So if it goes really smooth, you got your money's worth. Mm -hmm. If it turns into an absolute gunfight. Um, that's not what you're looking for. So, but from the clients, misplaced. from the client's point of view, though, if it's a gunfight for whatever reason, and the realtor's good at what they do, you'll be very grateful that you found someone that actually can. Uh, absolutely, right? Absolutely. For the realtor, it's frustrating. But dollar dollars for time, it's it's you know the realtor's getting paid less for, for sure. sure. So they they charge that fee up front, mm -hmm. knowing that that's a possibility mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think it should be up to the realtor's discretion on how much they charge. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Know, both of us have negotiated depending on the, the role that you're going to take mm -hmm. um, and, and how involved you're going to be in, in the deal. You know, similarly to what you're talking about, I don't charge an upfront fee, um, but uh, I definitely get a referral fee for particular builders just to organize mm -hmm. um, whatever transaction. But I'm not in there drafting up their floor plan or yeah, picking out the cabinets. Yeah. I, I've just connected two people and then f facilitated the financing and the contractual obligations of usually the buyer, if not both parties, mm -hmm. in order to make that happen, mm -hmm. right? That's going to be a different fee than me jumping in the car and driving, 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 opening doors and, and like, well, yeah, we like these lights and, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, uh, It's an entirely different transaction. So I, I think they should be charged differently. And I, mm -hmm. I think it should be up to the realtor to decide that. And it's mm -hmm. going to be up to whoever's uh, hiring you to decide if that works for them. Yeah. But to, to go pound on it with a big lawsuit or to go to a, a brokerage that only allows you to charge 2% flat, regardless of what your opinion on that is, it closes a lot of doors. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot of lateral movement. So for me personally, it would never work for me yeah. to go to a, a brokerage like that. And uh, unfortunately, in the past, it just hasn't been a super good yeah, uh, experience that's working with those particular brokerages. It's interesting because the, the lawsuit's about price fixing, right? But in the contracts, it's all negotiable. Right. So it's, a, it's, we've talked about this last week and we're not going to talk on it too much, but I just find it so fascinating that they feel like there's all these realtors like banding together and price fixing. Well, no, the seller can say no, like no one's holding a gun to your head. Like, yes, they just don't know this. It goes back to that stat of that 80% of people work with the first person they meet. So it's like, it just, Man, you want to talk about price fixing. <laughs> you want to talk about one of the only fees that hasn't increased with inflation. What's that? Realtor fees. 
they've, <laughs> they've stayed like if it's price fixing this average the standard mm. has stayed the same since like really the 80s i mean we're seeing benefits now with the market going up but back in 2015 to 18 when prices were historically low that yeah. was a pretty gnarly time and so it's negotiable but man i'm out here paying 16.99 for i think a strawberries from costco <laughs> but i'm still charging three and a half one and a half you can charge whatever you want Andrew. <laughs> you start a new standard that's gonna be my new slogan. I'm gonna get a big a t-shirt. It's the only thing that hasn't been affected from inflation since. Whatever, That'll trigger whatever so that many people. <laughs> leave, leave a comment if you think it's probably premature with the amount of beers that we have for this podcast. Yeah, but leave a, leave a comment if you'd like a store, and that's gonna be our first uh, our first t-shirt. Oh, it's a great it. idea. That's hilarious. I don't know if I could rep it. I think that would be. <laughs> That's a great conversation. So let's let's wrap it up here. What are, what are, what are some final thoughts? My my thoughts. Realtors can be super frustrating, but at the same time, I understand the struggle that a lot of them go through. So you know, find a realtor that works well with you. Find the one that actually works with your personality type. They'll charge whatever the hell they want. It's up to you to say yes or no. Yeah, it's a good way of wrapping it up. It's it's all negotiable, but on both sides, it, there's, you know, knows the worst thing that you're going to get. And mm. possibly, depending on what you're asking for them to uh, receive, mm -hmm. know is, you know, might be what you do get, right? But that's that's it. So I thank you for watching and uh, let us know if you want that T-shirt. I'm sort of looking into that today. It's such a great idea. <laughs> thank you very much. And we'll see you on the next one.